A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Gym Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who have been affected by those devastating diagnoses. You can hear those stories and more, including the Williams F1 team's planning director, Richard jones right now on your chosen podcast player the charity work all year round to help develop research and raise awareness and if you're looking to challenge yourself this new year why not sign up to the brain tumor charity's brain power challenge simply choose a challenge that will boost your brain health from meditation to 10k runs to mega sudoku and set your challenge to either silver gold or platinum difficulty level every penny you raise will be spent on the charity's medical research 250 pounds covers the cost of one day of world-class medical research into kinder and better treatments for brain tumors which really does make a difference follow the brain tumor charity on social media to learn more and to sign up boost your brain today to boost other brains tomorrow because a cure can't wait this podcast is brought to you by Rodin Cars. Based in New Zealand, but with a new HQ open in Donington Park in the UK, with the Rodin FZ, you have the keys to experience a whole new level of driving performance. A supercar like no other, giving you the chance to feel pure driving pleasure. Designed for easy maintenance, you could own the F1 lifestyle and strive for that perfect lap time with the Rodin FZ. There's plenty of purchasing options, including after-sale partnership, where your FZ is looked after, on and off track by an official Formula Racing team, storage and exclusive track access to Rodin's very own circuit in New Zealand. With Rodin and the Rodin FZ, you don't just drive a car, you experience the performance of an open-wheel high-performance supercar. For more information on Rodin and how you can get involved, visit rodin-cars.com. Hello, Tim Sylvie here, and today we're joined by not one, but two racing drivers, one based in Dorset in the UK, and the other hails from Auckland, New Zealand. And in honour of our Kiwi guest, I wanted to test your new New Zealand knowledge, Harry Benjamin. So I have three questions for you and they are seriously easy. So if you get any of these wrong, well, quite frankly, you don't deserve to be on the podcast. Number one, (laughs) what is the capital of New Zealand? Auckland. No! (laughs) No! Even I'm, even I've got my hands in my head. Like, what? What Oh, I was Wellington, isn't it? It's Wellington. Oh. That's disappointing. Okay, question number two. To the, oh. to the nearest 500 metres, how tall is Mount Cook? I don't. How am I supposed to? The nearest, the nearest what? 500 metres. Mount Cook. Mount Cook in metres. <sighs> 3,000? It's a valiant effort. It's 3,754. Oh. Not bad, but... You oh, you okay. All right. I feel like right. I redeemed myself there slightly. Final one, which is really easy. 
Okay. I have a feeling this might be another head in hands moment. What is the nickname of the national football team? Oh, um, oh, I do know this. Or is it football? No. Well, you know the I, you know the rugby team, surely. Yeah, I no, I don't know. I oh. I don't know the football team. Do you know the is ru- it, do you know the rugby team? Please tell me you know the rugby. Isn't team. it like the all um all the what? Oh. what? Yeah, go on. All all something. Oh my god! I'm so sorry to I I I feel embarrassed and ashamed. What's the answer? What's the answer? The, the national football team is the all whites, and every single person that listens to this podcast is telling you that the national rugby team is the all blacks. I was yeah, I knew the, I knew the rugby was all black. Oh my god! Oh, anyway, I, I didn't know. I, I had no idea what the football one was. Let's, let's, I'm not. I'm not into my football. Let's move on quickly. Um, Jesus! Why did you test me like that? I'm you sorry. know I'm terrible at quizzes. We can edit Much that. better at asking the questions. We'll edit That's it. Horrific. It, it is horrific. <laughs> it is horrific. Um, well, let's move on to something you do know about. Formula we'll e. re-edit that in we'll, the post, yeah, so we'll, I get them all right. We'll change all that. <laughs> Formula E, Harry, you've done a few bits in Formula E, haven't you? You're, you're a fan. Um, just briefly, you've, you've done a little bit uh, in the past in the in the FE paddock. Yeah, yeah, I was there from. I've, I've sort of been in and out since season two, really, when the cars were very, very different. Doing some bits and bobs. I started off in Formula E as a runner and the T boy. I was making all the T's. So uh, for the broadcasting people, so uh, I've worked, been working way up and. Uh, they biffed me off the talent call, um, but now at Formula One, so it's all right. I've forgiven them. Uh, so <laughs> we move on. You've done a lot of Formula E though as well, haven't you? I have. I'm still working in Formula E actually. My, my latest Formula E exploits uh, in terms of being at a race was actually Berlin for the um, final race of season seven. Oh, that was when you got you had to quarantine there, right? No you got one, stuck there. No one really knows, but I nearly got the whole race cancelled because I turned up, um, I shook Mark Webber's hand in the lobby of the hotel, went up to my room, did my PCR test, came back and had a positive test. And they nearly had to bin the whole race. And I was in my hotel room in Berlin for the next 10 days. I missed everything. Didn't get to the race at all. Tragic. Jesus. Tragic. Um, anyway, enough about us. Shall I introduce today's guests? I think it's about time. So today, our first guest is Sam Bird. He's a race winner in every season of the Formula E World Championship to date and has been in the series since its very first race. He first appeared in karting before Formula BMW. He's been a reserve driver for Mercedes F1 before signing up to race in the first ever Formula E season in 2014 with Virgin Racing. We find him now, of course, with Jaguar Racing and his teammate is Mitch Evans. And we're lucky enough to have him here as well. Mitch also started in karts under the mentorship of Mark Webber. He went on to win the 2012 GP3 title as it was then. His electric career started in 2016 when he signed for Jaguar and he remains there to this very day after a strong showing in season seven where he finished fourth in the championship. Just a few points off the winning driver of Nick DeVries. Here's hoping Sam and Nick can challenge once again. Sam and Nick, Sam and Mitch can challenge once again in season eight. To the both of you, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Hey guys, how are we? Very well, how are you? I'm very well. I'm really offended actually. Yeah, I just wanted to start off. Well, I want to apologise for my uh, New Zealand knowledge, and then I also want to apologise for Tim calling you Nick. Um, So if you want to leave, if you want to leave, I'm sorry about that. It's not as bad as we had Freddie Hunt on the show, and I called him James Hunt, and that was awkward. So, uh, you know, this yes. Doesn't, you know, this doesn't yeah. But hey, let's forget all about that. Let's move on and chat about you two because you know what you're doing, uh, or at least we hope you do. Um, where are you both? First of all, let's start off with that. Sam, whereabouts are you uh, dialing in from? I'm in my home in Sandbanks. Very nice. And Mitch, what about you? I'm in Monaco in the south of France. Very nice. Look at oh. that. Look at that. <laughs> that he's already one up you. You're in the monarch of the UK, so you can't say much. True, Sam. true. <laughs> <laughs> now let's um let's start off with because uh, it's not actually too often that we have uh two people on at the same time particularly teammates we've only done it a couple of times and it tends to be uh other drivers in the formula e championship so first question to you both properly sam i'll come back to you on this first can you describe mitch as a teammate what have you found out a bit more after your first season working together um i mean i've known mitch since like obviously watching him in GP3 and then he he moved into GP2 and and we did GP2 against each other. So we've known each other pretty much for the last decade um, on circuit. It's the first time I've worked with him and honestly, it was, it was great. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a good fun guy, good banter, but also 
super professional and extremely quick. So to be honest, it's been it's been great. And Mitch, same question to you then. Before you go any further, you said I'm perfect. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> no, I was just joking. I'm taking it first. Um, yeah, as, as Sam touched on, um, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, in GP2, Sam almost won that year. We raced against each other. So I, I know what, oh, I knew what Sam was capable of doing. And then obviously, informally, his, his sort of stats, you know, speak for themselves. And um, yeah, it's been great. I think last year we, we worked really well together, almost won the team championship. We both had a good shot at the, the drivers. So, um, yeah, Sam's been a really good addition. So uh, it's 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 he can be annoyingly really fast as well. Um, and but I think the combination that we that we've got within the team, you know, we sort of um, sort of balance off each other really well. I think, and we've we've definitely been able to take the team to the next step, which which is which is really important. So I'm um, looking forward to another season with um, with them. Now, uh, Sam, take us back to your early years. When did that motorsport uh, bug first bite you? Can you remember where it really became something on your radar? If you want like the full, the full spiel, I mean, it started when I was like six, seven. I used to write letters to my mum and dad saying, guys, uh, please take me go-karting. I used to watch F1 at home with them on the weekends. Back then it was on like Eurosport, wasn't it? So I'd watch it on Eurosport with mum and dad. Um... Yeah, and then I had my first go in a go-kart when I was eight for my eighth birthday. And then if my grades were good enough at school every term, they'd allow me to go to Clapham or Streatham um, Playscape Raceways in indoor karting in, in London and have a morning there. It's like a well done. And when I got to 10, I had my first go in a proper race outdoors. And, and that was it, really. Were you? Uh, did you find you had a affiliation with the kart straight away? Did, when you did that race at 10... Were you doing well or, or did it take some time to get you up to speed? Dude, it's still taking time. I'm 35. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still struggling out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I won my first race. Um, oh. And at that point... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, at that point then, um, it was like, oh, you know, mum and dad were like, right, you know, he... He's, he's not bad at this. Um, so we did the full season. I won that championship. And then it was only a lower, it was a lower level championship. It wasn't any good. Um, and then I got international and it was a bit different. But, um, you know, that that's what kick-started it, really. And uh, same question to you, I guess, Mitch. You know, th- there's been a long history of, of uh, racing drivers from New Zealand. Uh, Bruce McLaren, obviously, Art Bamba, Scott Dixon, um, Van Gidsbergen, um, Brendan Hartley, of course, who we've had on the show. What's the scene like there? And what, what was it like when you were growing up and in your earlier years in karting? Is it pretty competitive? Yeah, extremely. Um, I think as a country for our population, we really excel Um I'll say generally in sports, but obviously in motorsport, it's um, it's probably stemmed from back in the days of of uh, Bruce, um, you know, Denny Hong, Chris Amon. They sort of set the scene for us uh, on Simon to Target, um, and obviously with the McLaren name sort of around, you know, it's it's been it's been a massive part of New Zealand motorsport history. So um, growing up, it was uh, the karting scene was really really strong. Um, there is many drivers that um, that should have got the opportunity to come overseas, right, and, and spread their wings. But the unfortunate thing with our part of the world is it's just so expensive to be, to be able to race, obviously. But then, obviously, to try and come over to Europe is, is another massive step, which is it's just unrealistic for a lot of people. I was very lucky; I got picked up by um, a great family um, that have funded a lot of Kiwi drivers, the Gilchrap family, um, and also Mark. Uh, picked me up and then that gave me the shot to come over to Europe but it wasn't for that I just financially could not afford it so yeah the scene is pretty fierce back home considering we've got you know quite a small population so um yeah it's uh I do I do miss those days you know in, in karting and former Ford and former Toyota um you know it was a good place to learn to be honest I suppose compared to Sam, you know, growing up in the UK, already in sort of the heartlands of, of karting and racing. For you, Mitch, how old were you then when you, you made the trek across to Europe? And was that, was that quite a daunting part of your life? I loved it. Um, I was 16 when I left New Zealand, um, left school, which I was super happy about. Um, the last few years at school, I wasn't really there 
physically and mentally just <laughs> just sort of went to literally eat my lunch and just pass my exams. Um, I was just so focused on my racing. So yeah, for me to move when I was 16, looking back, it is quite crazy, but I didn't even think twice. You know, when I, when I had the opportunity to come across, it was, um, it was like, okay, when can I go? And it was just, my, my mom moved with me initially just to make sure I could actually survive and not set the house on fire. Um, so I, I had a little cottage at the end of Mark's driveway, which I was, um, which I was there for about six, seven years. Um, and yeah, I was, yeah, initially quite hard. Like you get a bit homesick initially, just, you know, it is a big, big change, but, um, especially even just within in the UK, you know, there's little things that you just take for granted or, you know, back home, but just things are just different. Um, now it's like second nature to me. Like the UK, I see the UK is almost second home and, and, um, and yeah, I spend more time there than New Zealand. So it's, uh, yeah, it was initially hard, but, um, obviously looking back, it was the right thing that I, that I did. And just very grateful for the opportunity that I got to uh, to be able to come overseas. So you so you were basically Mark Webber's next door neighbour. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was I was like um, yeah because when when I came over I was I had no money uh, I was a bit useless you know just could could only really drive a car half decent that was it. Um, so he, he I was training with Mark every day. Um, dinners at his house most nights, traveling with him because GP3 back then and GP2 were on the same weekends as, as F1. So I used to travel with him. So it was nuts. You know, I, I came from, you know, just a normal sort of life and then it just went, went bananas. So, um, yeah, I, I guess you could say actually that the cottage I lived in was his, like he owned it. So, um, but yeah, we were, we were neighbors for a bit. Wow. What a good, what a good guy to have as a, uh, sort of someone looking out for you and, and, passing on advice and guidance when you're, you're making your way in the sport. And, and Sam, you've, well, segue is nice and formula one wise from, from Weber, you flirted quite heavily with formula one. You've done testing duties for Williams as a reserve driver uh, for Mercedes. How, how did those opportunities come about and, and take us through what it's like to drive a formula one car. So firstly, the, the Williams opportunity came about uh, mid season, 2007. Um, I, I, I knew Johnny Williams, um, because of my days in Formula BMW and back then Williams had an affiliation obviously with BMW. So, uh, as a scholarship driver, I knew, I knew some of the people in the team anyway, they kept, um, they kept an eye on what I was doing in British Formula three. And I started winning a few races. I think I'd had like 10 or 12 podiums that season. And they invited me to start driving their cars to do some aerodynamic work, which was great. Um, Somewhere in the house, actually, I've still got my first ever paycheck. Um, so I got paid. My first ever time in a Formula One car, I got paid to do it, which is quite cool. It wasn't very much money, but it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, and then fast forward to 2010, doing GP2 uh, with ART. Jules uh, Bianchi is my teammate, uh, massive benchmark. Um, and I start to do quite well and start matching Jewel for pace. And I win a race in Monza. Um, and Ron Meadows from Mercedes called me and asked me if I, if I could do the young driver test in Abu Dhabi. Obviously, that went well. And then I, I spent the next four years with, uh, with Mercedes as their reserve, flying around the world with Michael, Nico, and, and Lewis. Um, wow. You know, it's is pretty cool. I've got to say that, you know, I have worked with two of my two of my heroes you know lewis is a hero um but working with michael as well uh two of the two of the greatest of all time is is pretty cool working with mercedes in in those early days as well could you see from behind the scenes you know what was to come because of course it wasn't a, dom- a dominating championship team straight from the off it grew over time but you were there for the early workings of it could you see what was about to come i think that when the new regulations came out um, it got announced in 2011 what they were going to do with the with the engine regs, and we jumped on board on that on the simulator really really early, like maybe like a year before anybody else, because everybody else was focused on the current regulations and getting their car as good as possible for the here and now. Mercedes kind of took a different approach and thought, let's get on top of these new regs for the V6 hybrid era. Um, on the simulator and really tailor the rules to to suit us. So I was doing some preliminary work in 2000 and 
end of 2011 on a 2014 engine. Wow. So it was kind of then that you thought, right, I think that when the time comes in 2014, they're going to be they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, clearly, Red Bull had the upper hand when it came to the the V8 and and that kind of technology. But yeah, when when it went V6 in in 2014, Mercedes just cleaned up, didn't they? Well, you could yeah, you could say that. To put it lightly, how incredible though to to have been involved in that kind of structure as well and to work with you know. When I was there, they didn't win anything. Maybe it was me. They got but you of... you you laid the groundwork. I'd take that. <laughs> Do I take the credit and say it was all down to me on the simulator? Absolutely. I must have been magnificent, or they got rid of me and all of a sudden they were great. <laughs> well, since then, of course, you you made the switch to uh, to Formula E in, in a race seat right from the very beginning of the championship. Can you cast your mind back to that time as well, the first time you drove that Formula E car and your thoughts back then? Because we've spoken to a few drivers who are still racing in the series and who aren't anymore, or who just tested. And they all said, you know, they were a bit, you know, they looked at the car and thought, okay, here we go. What's this going to be about then? What did you think? Yeah. So end of 2013, I've come runner up in GP2, as, as Mitch said. Um, going to 2014, I got let go by Mercedes. Um, and I had nothing. Uh, there was nothing. There was nothing about. I wasn't earning a living because uh, I got paid for GP two and the reserve role. So I was, I was pretty much broke and was really worried. I was just about to go and do a course in physical education to get my um, personal training um, certificate, so I could become a personal trainer. Because I thought my career as a racing driver was over. And I got a phone call asking me to go for a meeting in London with this new team in Formula E called Virgin Racing. Um, I'd heard of Formula E. I'd heard, you know, you read things in autosport, you saw pictures of the car. I never thought that I'd be doing it, but I'd heard of it. Anyway, it was like a lifeline. I I went to the meeting and thankfully got the job. The the first test was at Donington. And yeah, I'd never driven an electric vehicle before. And... I really didn't know what to expect. The first thing compared to the GP2 and the F1 was just how quiet it felt at the time because I'd come from something that was screaming in my ear to that. It was it was very bizarre. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a blur now because Formula E has moved on so far and got so much better and so much more advanced that it's it's difficult to really remember those first tests apart from nobody really knew what they were doing i know nobody really had a and we've had to it's taken all this time to get to where we are now and then mitch joins later when everyone does know what they're doing and how was that mitch when you first got in a formula e car um i did two seasons with um with the first generation car so Thing is, what was quite tough is that um, I came in obviously with the team, like with Jaguar, but we were a brand new team, like mm. all new personnel. Um, some of the crew had worked on um, the the battery side of things with Formula E, but it was a it was a rookie, two rookie drivers, and basically a, a rookie team. Um, and I think the powertrain was was designed in a few months, so it was we were like really inefficient, very heavy. Um, Software-wise, so far behind, two drivers that didn't really know what was going on, um, and we just somehow, yeah, it was it was a, it was a quite an incredible um, time looking back because at the time it was like, what the hell is going on? Because we, we were the worst team, um, and we were at the back, and we our fourth race, all of a sudden we we finished fourth, and we started getting points, and we we didn't make it into Super Bowl that year but we did some really cool qualifying sessions and we just showed some good progress which obviously um we could just lay some really nice foundations for the, for the you know next few years but we still had to keep working on it hire, hire new people um i had a few teammates um over the years as well um but initially it was really hard because we were just learning as we, as we went probably a similar to a similar degree what sam had in um in season one uh so yeah, that was that was looking back. We were we were quite well, not lost, but we were just yeah, just starting this new sort of chapter, this new era of, of motorsport, and 
Um, if only we knew what we knew now back then, it could have been a different story. But uh, yeah, wild times, especially with the, with the car changes as well. Like it was just so much, so many things to learn as a team, as a driver. It's, it's just it's quite fascinating. It's, there's, um, I've recently purchased a um, uh, a electric car. Um, and it's got, um, I've got the paddles on the steering wheel for regen. Is it, this is a probably a really simplistic way of looking at it, but is it effectively the same sort of process? If when you, when you're driving along on the team, like, right, you need to save some energy. The, the, presumably the paddles on the steering wheel are still for that purpose. That's why you're, you're pulling those paddles to regenerate the battery. Is it, is that how it works? And does that take getting used to in a race environment, Mitch? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much works the same way. Um, so, the, so when we save energy in Formula E, we we have um, you know a, a sort of a software that's been implemented into the car um, to basically we've got to, to try and get us to the finish of the race as quick as possible. So we've only got a certain amount of energy, and to be honest, it's not enough to finish the race. We've got to try and energy save to, to make it to the finish. So we we do some coasting down the straight, um, and then and then after the coasting phase, we'll then pull a paddle like you have, and they'll recoup. 100% energy. So when, when we recoup under or regenerate under braking. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, we lose a little bit of energy in, in that sort of, in the in the system, but that paddle recoups um, 100%, which is really effective. So yeah, we, we do, so that's quite relatable for, from what you yeah. do in the car to what we do in the race car. Obviously, we're doing it every corner. It's It's quite different you know it's a bit more intense for us but let's say the concept is is quite similar a quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor rodin cars Rodin are a bespoke formula-style supercar manufacturer based in New Zealand. With their vehicle offering, this is the only place where you can truly live the F1 lifestyle. With the easy-to-run, easy-to-maintain, and even easier-to-drive Rodin FZ, you can live the dream of hunting down those final tenths of lap time whilst being fully supported by the team at Rodin, who will provide you with after-sale care, storage options, exclusive use of their incredible track in New Zealand, and courtesy of Formula Racing Team Hightech. Grand Prix will run, set up and maintain your vehicle on and off the track. The Rodin FZ is a vehicle like no other. Perfect for any true car aficionado in search for that elite performance. To find out more, head to rodin-cars.com. And, and do you, presumably, well, you're traveling a lot faster than we are in our road cars. And when I press the, the paddle and activate the regen, it, it's very noticeable. I, I, I feel it, obviously, before I've even touched the foot brake. In your in your case, when you're traveling at that speed, coming to a corner and you and you pull on the the regen, is it a very noticeable um, uh, reduction in speed? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is quite noticeable. It depends on the on the corner because we can reduce the the, the the aggressiveness of of the, the regen. Um, we've got a limit; we can't go above a limit, but we can within that range. We can, you know, have it super low, high, depending on on what we feel like is the most comfortable. Um, especially in the wet conditions, you'd be very careful not to have too much because, um, you know, to, to, to lock the rears. Um, obviously, in, in, in a road car, you've got more systems to control. That's you'd never get into that state, but we don't have that in the race car. But we're always optimizing the amount of energy that we can recover. And that's good, that tech and that's those learnings are going straight back into, into the road cars, which we, which we found with the I-PACE. Um, with just just within our region strategies, we're able to increase the range of the eye pace on on the track uh, on the road, which was which was quite cool to be part of that. Um, 
so yeah, we're just always fighting because we, we don't want to obviously overheat the red tires, but we don't want to leave the energy on the table. We, there's so many factors that come into it, but um, I think that's quite, yeah, it's quite a cool thing that, you know, everyday users of electric cars are able to also experience that because then it's more relatable for them when they're watching us on, on track. It's fascinating, isn't it? And actually, because it does require, you know, all this knowledge and sharing of data and working together, especially as as teammates, compare that to, to Formula One, where, you know, you really want to beat your teammate. Yeah, you've got access to their data. You just want to absolutely, you know, crush them and win. I'm sure there is absolutely an element of that in any kind of racing. But in Formula E, is, is it more of a, a team effort, especially you have to work together to understand the efficiency, especially, you know, when we get the new generation of cars that come in? Yeah, the... Look, me, me and Mitch are competitive. Um, Mitch wants to beat me and, and I want to beat Mitch. But at the same time, there is a bigger picture. We're employed by Jaguar Racing and we both want to work as hard as possible together to ensure that Jaguar can try and win the team's championship. That's why we are employed by Jaguar Racing, to try and do that. If, we, if one of us can win the, the driver's title as well, then, then great. Um, so it's... You know, when you say it's it's like that in Formula One, it is we're both super competitive. It is it is like that in in Formula E as well. Like you know, the helmet goes on, and um, you know we're competitive. The one thing I would say though is that um, we, in my opinion, in in season one, uh, season one, in the last season that we, well, the first season that I worked at Jaguar, um, you know, the relationship was fantastic on track, and. Um, there were instances on the circuit where we had to negotiate each other and it was done instantly without any issues and and it was for the good of the team and it worked out better to do that than it would be to squabble and fight and um yeah that that's all I can say about that really now um I know you've both had a lot of highlights in your career, but there is um, a moment that you've not yet experienced, which is the very important motormouth quiz. Um, and um, we've had uh, lots of your uh, peers take part in this quiz. Um, Harry will probably know where some of them are on the leaderboard. But uh, I'll hand over to my illustrious, bearded, lofty colleague to introduce you to the hardest quiz in motorsport, the Motormouth Quiz. Thank you very much. Yes, Sam Bird, Mitch Evans, welcome to Motormouth, the hardest quiz in motorsport, because the answer's may vary uh, and points are given out on a if I feel like it basis so uh, there are 14 points up for grabs in total if you get 14 points you go to the top of the leaderboard which is currently occupied by Susie Perry Alexander Sims and Nelson PK Jr so I think you're going to be wanting to be getting up towards there you don't want to be uh, well Mortara right in the middle pack 11th you don't want to be a Boemi right at the bottom of the pile, or a Chandok, who is last. So uh, you want to avoid those areas. If you want to aim for 12 and above and you're doing well, I've got four questions for you, each about each other. Are you ready for question one? Um, no, okay. But okay. I'll take that as a yes. Okay. Mitch, when is Sam's birthday? Sam, when is Mitch's birthday? That's, a, that's, a, that's not fair because... because <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's not fair because mine was literally the other day. Like, couldn't have missed it. Life so, isn't fair. <laughs> Life isn't fair. Well, it, Mitch, when is his birthday? <laughs> now this will be a true test. <laughs> well, it's the 9th of January. <laughs> okay, what was the year though? Oh. 1927. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old. You don't look a day over 21, Sam. Oh, uh, 19... 85. Oh, close. Sam, do you want to reveal it? I'm actually a little bit offended that you think I'm 37, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, 87. 87. Oh, no. Oh, that, 87. That, that was yeah. the year of the great storm in the UK. Ooh. 87. Yeah. The year of the Sam Bird. I, I remember it well. Um, go on then, Sam. Well, okay, well, Mitch, we'll give you a, we'll give you a couple of points for that one. But Sam, can you get Mitch's uh, date, month, and well, year? This was last week, and yeah, yeah. Anyway. fair at all, is it? I, like, <laughs> if you'd asked Mitch when my birthday was in June, he wouldn't have had a Scoobies. So it's not really. 
So Mitch actually had his birthday at a race event last year because we got him a cake. It was in, I think, Puebla. And Puebla... That was early. That was early. Just... That was early. Yeah. Give, giving him clues. Anyway, I'm, I'm keeping so, up. Well, no, I, let me add, let me add in that you are, you are working together here. So the, the point uh, is, is a, is a yeah, total but, point. But can, they, so can want... they confer? This, I, mean, I mean, as long as they don't give each other the answer, fine. Well, I was just about to say, can he not just say his birthday and we take no. the point? <laughs> <laughs> then, no, that's an immediate disqualification. Sneaky. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm saying, I'm saying June. And he's, uh, ooh. and he's 27. So 19... 90, uh, 1995 and 96. Oh, very close. Mitch, do you want to reveal it? 94. 94. On the 24. Well, you know what? That was, a, that was an admirable effort, actually. A proper, proper effort there. I'm going to give you two out of three points in total for that question. So we're off to a how many wins in Formula E does Mitch have? And Mitch, how many wins in Formula E does Sam have? Mitch has two wins. Spot on. Um, I know Sam's got more than two, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> either 10 or 11. Uh, 11. Uh, uh, excuse me. There, there, was, uh, well, there was foul play going on there. There was foul play going no, on there. No. Sorry, what <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the full house there. Okay, I'm gonna allow it. Three points in the bag. Okay, next question. Now, of course, you both drive for the Jaguar Formula E team, but when Jaguar was in Formula One many years ago, five drivers, according to Wikipedia, raced for the team. Can you name them? Eddie Irvine. Correct. Mark Webber. Correct. Um, Christian Klein. Correct. Oh. Ooh, Two more. Loving this. Justin Wilson? Yes. Um, you get the final name. Oh, it's such a P. Oh, yeah. You, he's done his own work. Pizzitola? No. It's oh, got a... Uh, uh, Pizzonia. No. First name starts with a P. Oh. Oh, maybe we're thinking a different person. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> Was it not Antonio Pizzonia? Not according to the uh, the notable drivers on Wikipedia, <laughs> hmm. which is obviously a very trustworthy source. Um, P begins with a P. Yeah, I'll give you a nationality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spanish. Pedro de la Rosa. Spot on, oh. Pedro de la Rosa. Well done. <laughs> Very well good. done. Very good. Um, although you say Antonio Pizzoni, that, Pizzoni, that does ring a bell, but maybe um, that's something else. But I'm going to give you three points. So well done. Um, okay. One more question and then a bonus point is up for grabs. Sam finished runner-up in GP2 in 2013. But what team was he with? Mitch. Only Mitch can answer that one. Beautiful. This is easy. Russian time. But excellent. Well remembered. Right. Glad you got that. that was an yeah. easy one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bonus point for you. How many different nationalities make up the 2021-22 Formula E grid? So Great this coming question. season, Great. how many different nationalities are made up on the grid? Yes. Sorry? Who's answering this one? Uh, both of you together. You can, you can both work together on this one. Right. Oh. So we've got English. We've got Kiwi. We've got... Brazilian. Brazilian. We've got Swiss. We've got French. We've got Portuguese. Yeah. We've got... Um, does Edo classify as Italian or Swiss? Swiss. Swiss. Uh, okay. We've got a Mexican. Mexican. And then Italian, Giovinazzi. Yeah. Um, how, how many you got there at the moment? How many fingers is that? One, two, oh, three, four, German, five, six, three. That's eight, nine. German. But he's like a hybrid, isn't he? He's sort of a bit of everything. Lotterer. Right, yeah. Andre, yeah. And obviously Pascal. Yeah, no, German. Yeah. So, fine. Um, I feel like that's it, but... Uh, 
There's got to be something else, surely. Um, so you've got nine at the moment. Uh, we're looking for a few more little hidden. So what have you got at the moment? Let's run through it. So obviously we've got New Zealand and UK, for sure. Brazil, I mean, Swiss, Holy French, Rose, Portugal, Rose. Mexican, Italy, Germany. So is that different? Mexican? Why, why, why? Got that. Do we say Mexican? Uh, yeah, I said that. I don't, think, I don't think there is a Mexican on the grid. No, American. American, yes. American. Mexican. Okay, so... How Hang many on. have we got? Are we going with nine? That's nine. No, we've got ten at the moment. We've, yeah, got, we've got ten. Okay. That's nine, isn't it? Oh, I, think replaced, I thought we'd replaced Mexico for American. Yeah, so you've got one, two, three, four, five, oh, Brazil. Six, seven, eight, Brazil. 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 Yeah, Brazil is one. Yep. Um, we've got Brazil. We had Brazil, I thought. Yeah, you've got Brazil. You've got, you've got English, Kiwi, Brazil, Swiss, French, Portuguese, American, Italian, and German. So how many was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Is that your final answer? Uh, struggling now. Just looking for a number. Could be, but I'm, tr I'm trying to think of who else is on the grid. Um, so we, yeah, we go from the back of the grid to the front. I don't know. Well, Neo's both British. Uh, Dragon... Uh, Brazilian and Italian. Yeah. Uh, then two Germans and Porsche. Um, Swiss and English for Dams or Nissan. Um, oh, Dutch. 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 Ah, Dutch. Dutch and Belgium. There we go. Ah. Oh, they're going to kill us if they hear You missed out the Dutch and the Belgian. Yeah. Um, so, can I have a final number from you? just to confirm all of that. So we've got UK, Dutch, Belgian, Brazilian, Swiss, Italian, Portuguese. Yeah, you said Portuguese. Yeah. You said Germany, USA, yeah. French. Who was the other one? That's I think 11. 11. That's 11. Yeah. 11. We got there in the end. It's the correct answer. <laughs> this is a high score. This is up there. This is up there. Right, okay. Let me quickly do that. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, Okay. Well, out of a possible 14 points, Sam Bird and Mitch Evans, you scored 12 points, which does put you joint third with Mark Webber. So he's ah. up there as well. Just below, half a point below Brendan Hartley, I'm afraid. So uh, unfortunately, pride is not coming out there. Uh, but you are ahead of um, Ollie Rowland and uh, Edo Mortara. So something to be proud of there. Well done. Oh. That's Always good. A, that was a good effort. Well done to you both. And there's the highlights. So any future interviews, please make sure you reference that as the best thing you've ever done in your career. Now, um, let's move away from Formula E. I want to know from each of you, any hidden talents? What are you good at outside of racing? Let's come to you first, Sam. Um, oh, what am I good at? I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Um, I mean, I used to be good at football. Yeah. Um... I I'm okay at golf, so that's good. Do you have a handicap? Uh, ten. Oh, so good at golf. I'm okay. I, I can I can play. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, besides that, I'm fairly I'm I'm fairly rubbish at most things, to be honest. An average um, human. I'm 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 a bit average. <laughs> <laughs> just an average kind of guy that just yeah, drives just, just very bothered. fast. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm average. That's no, those, those are the two things that I probably um, enjoy. Um, I really enjoy watching football now and I enjoy playing golf. Besides that, I, I hold my own when I go running. But yeah, I'm, I'm fairly talentless when it comes to like cooking and, and normal stuff. <laughs> Mitch, same to you. <laughs> no, oh, I can't beat that. Um, <laughs> thing is, since, I was, since I was born, I've literally been at racetracks my whole life. Um, I used to play rugby. I actually got to a stage where I had to choose between rugby and, and, and racing. Um, I think I chose the right one because I'm way too small to be a rugby player. But uh, honestly, head and talents, uh, I'm, I'm hopeless. Like, in, I'm, inst instrument or anything? or uh... I tried to learn guitar that lasted about a week. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> honestly, nothing. Like I, I, I like making my coffee in the morning, so I've got like a proper machine and I do the latte arts and all that. Oh, okay. I'd call that talent. Yeah, yeah. Do some good latte art. We're clutching at straws. We'll take that. Yeah, 
He's a he's a good barista. Yeah, he's a good yeah. well, I mean, you got your fullback exactly, if it all goes you know, wrong. If all goes wrong, yeah. you can go to Costa Coffee or Starbucks yeah. and um, you know yeah. Yeah. decorate people's coffee. You do play, you do play a musical instrument, Mitch. You, play, you, you know, you blow your own trumpet. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Mate, not as good as you though. No, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can make queued up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh brilliant. It. Okay, so uh, this is a question we sometimes ask uh, people. Very random. If you had to be covered in feathers and you could fly. Or scales, but you could swim as far as you liked. Which one would you rather be covered in? Feathers. Flying no, yeah. I've been a bird all my life. I think it'd be fun to be like more scaly. Yeah, a bit Ooh, scaly. So, nice, nice split down the middle. Middle feathers and scales. Excellent choice. No, ever, ever, ever asked us that ever in an interview before. We've got plenty well, of those. We've got we've done it. We've, we've, done really? we've finally done it. We've asked drivers questions they've not been asked before. I yeah. call that game over. Let's end it there. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We didn't, um, but, but the thing is, we did. You, oh, you did say if you're covered in feathers, you could fly. So yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're the first person actually to say scales. I don't think anyone said scales. I think yeah, but you know, I'm. Look at my name. Like I've been a bird. bird. Yeah. I've been a bird. Been a bird for a long time, and maybe it's time for a change. Maybe, yeah. maybe my natural habitat is not in the air. Maybe it is on the ground. Yeah, 2022, the year of the scales. Well, maybe you're, yes. maybe you're, you, one of your talents will be incredibly fast and long distance swimming because of your scales. Yeah, I, I was thinking more like I'd be a tortoise or oh. something like. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> isn't that more of a shell? Like, that's more a shell. Yeah, but they it? do have Shelly. scales under the shell. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you know, well, interesting. It's it's interesting when you get into the nitty gritty of it, isn't it? Slow, boring. We'll call you Sam Scales this year, I think. Um, that's what your name will be uh, across the season. Uh, now, gents, we do have a, a final three questions that we like to ask to all of our guests, and they are brought to you by our partners at Rodin Cars. Tim, do you want to kick off with the first one? Sure. Um, quick answers. Mitch, let's come to you first. What's got you excited at this very moment? The new Formula E season coming up. Yes. Sam? Same. Good. Excellent Harry, next question. Okay, Sam, we'll start with you this time. What is your favourite racing destination and why? Uh, New York, uh, because it's New York. Yes, love a bit of New York. Mitch? Uh, Monaco, 100%. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Back in and I, I, love, I love that Formula E has gone to Monaco and showed Formula One how to race around that track. Absolutely epic. Amazing overtakes. Um, right, final question for you both. Another highbrow one you'll be pleased to hear, Sam. Uh, Mitch, I'm going to come to you first. What are you scared of? Uh, a lot of things. Um, I'm actually not a massive fan of heights. Oh, really? Are we talking aeroplane height or ladder height? No, more like aeroplane, like, mm. like building, more building sort of on the side of a building sort of height. So, like, if you um, went up, like, the Empire State Building or something, would you be a bit bit weird being on... Yeah, when you're close, yeah, I might call that. No, <laughs> I, I get freaked out, yeah. I went up the uh, the Burj Khalifa in uh, Dubai, which is so high that it kind of takes away the fear because it's it's almost hot, It's almost unfathomable, unfathomable to get your head around how high you are. It's weird. It's almost like being on a plane, so it takes away that fear. Very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, same question to you. Um... I'm going to go a bit more deep and meaningful oh, with my answer here. Like I'm going to go... Uh, my biggest fear, actually, is probably failure. Oh. I worry... I, I, I'm scared of not fulfilling what I want to be able to achieve in my career because I, I understand that I'm not as young as a lot of the guys out there and I still haven't achieved what I want to achieve. And, yeah, it scares me that I haven't yet fulfilled what I want to be able to fulfill within motorsport. But that's a, it's also on the flip side, a great driver, isn't it? I mean, pardon the pun, but it's, it's, a, it's a great motivator um, to, keep you, to keep you going because motorsport is so fragile. Um, do, do you agree? Do you think, do you think that fear of, of failure drives you forward? Um, yeah, it can, it can work two ways, can't it? It can, be, it can eat you up um, and, and spit you out or it can drive you forwards and, and make you find that last little bit and spur you on. Um, 
but you wanted an answer like spiders. So no, not no. at all. No. I'll tell you, I, I didn't want to say, but you, you're not the first racing driver to say failure. It is fairly, fairly common, I think, especially amongst high, high sort of performance athletes. Mitch, okay. do you, uh, do high drive you forward as well? <laughs> They came to mind initially, but I'm like, oh, let's not go too deep here. Let's not. But Dan went there, so fair enough. No, I think no, the deepest we've ever had was was Freddie Hunt, who yeah. did get very philosophical and, and very emotional. sort of about about his father and very emotional and you know a very long well, long answer for that one. So don't worry, that has not been uh, the deepest answer. But thank you for sharing that with us as well. Cause it's so fascinating uh, to hear to hear how you know the inner workings of, of racing drivers uh, uh, work. But um, I think we're just about. Uh, reached the end there chaps Mitch Evans Sam Bird thank you so much for uh, spending a bit of time with us uh, on the podcast really great to, to chat properly with you and uh, best of luck for the season ahead we'll be watching all the way uh, but Mitch Evans Sam Bird from Jaguar Formula E team thank you so much for joining us on the Motormouth podcast Thanks, guys. Before you go, one final reminder to check out Rodin Cars. Forget a one-off experience. With Rodin and the Rodin FZ, you can become and live the life of an elite performance driver. With your very own Rodin FZ, you'll be able to drive a truly remarkable supercar, hunt down lap time and search for ultimate performance. A solo cockpit, but never alone. With Rodin's incredible after-sale partnership, you'll be looked after on and off track with an official Formula Racing team running and maintaining your vehicle and as an exclusive owner of a Rodin car you'll get exclusive access to their circuit in New Zealand so what are you waiting for to find out how you can own the F1 lifestyle find the perfect racing line enjoy the thrill of a roaring engine and experience the purity of driving visit rodin-cars.com thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials twitter at motormouth underscore instagram at motormouth underscore official and facebook just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 